Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Has God been good to anybody? Amen. Let's stand together if we could. We'll do something maybe a little bit different uh, today. Uh, perhaps not exactly what you're accustomed to, but I want us to start with, uh, with an old chorus. And uh, before we do that, I want us to take just a moment and think about the goodness of God where God has brought us from. God been good to anybody? He ever healed you? Touched you? Saved you? Brought you out of a, a deep, dark trial or valley? Just take a moment and, and think about one of those things. One time that He healed you or touched you. And as we sing this, let that turn into your praise and your worship today. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we love you. Thank you for your touch your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that we've already felt in this assembly this morning. Father, we pray for the remainder of this service, that your touch would be felt, that your will would be done. God, do in this place as you desire to do. We loose your spirit, your Holy Ghost power in this place. Touch every individual that walks through the doors of the assembly today. God, let them be ministered to in their spirit and in their heart. We ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we just remain standing and sing and worship the Lord together? Sister Grant, Sister Rudy leads us.
Just take a moment, put your hands together in a hand clap of praise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, we've come to create an atmosphere of praise and worship in this house today. We've come to, Lord, lift up the name that is above every name, to lift up a sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. In an atmosphere of praise, there is nothing that God cannot do. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning and want to turn, we'll read one short verse of Scripture, and we'll kind of teach around that a little bit today. Amen. Psalm 34, the 34th Psalm, verse number 2. We will read that. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Amen. I want to talk to you for just a little bit today. and uh, This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. You've heard me quote from it and perhaps teach from it before. And I read a verse of Scripture, and I say, oh, that's my favorite verse of Scripture. Then I read a little further, and I say, oh, that's my new favorite verse. But it's all good. Amen. And I'm thankful for the Word of the Lord. I want to talk to you uh, for just a little bit about a recipe for hope. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. A recipe for hope. And everybody needs hope. Everybody needs hope. This world needs hope. And it is a... Uh, a very vital part of our existence. Brother Moody, what is hope? I'm, I'm glad you asked. And uh, I, I want to tell you today, hope is commonly used in our culture today as uh, kind of a wish, isn't it? I, I hope I get a new bicycle for Christmas. That's what we, we, we hope. I, I sure hope I get rich. I hope my husband picks up his dirty clothes out of the floor. Well, oh my, I figured I'd get a few more amens on that, but uh, let's let's move on. That kind of hope, that wishy hope, has no surety. It has no 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 backing. It's just a wish. It's just some um, something that we place out there. We we it's just a just an empty wish. But in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. Let me say that again. Hope is the confident, the confident expectation. I am confidently expecting. I am expecting with confidence that God's going to do what He said He's going to do. That's biblical hope. It is the confident expectation of what God has promised. 
promise. And that hope does have a surety. The surety of that is in God's ability to fulfill His promises and His faithfulness to do so. That hope, that confident expectation says that I know that God will do what He has promised because He is a faithful God. You know that God's faithful, just say amen. Numbers 23 and 19 boldly declares that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent or change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Friend of mine, that's a promise from the Word of God. What God has spoken, what God has said, he will do, and we can put our hope in our and our confidence in what God has spoken that he will do. My hope has its surety in the faithfulness of God. When circumstances say quit and when situations say give up and when events say it's just no use, hope says keep going. God's got this. Keep trying. It's going to be all right. Hang in there just a little bit longer. It's almost God's timing. That's biblical hope. That's godly hope. Hope is a necessary ingredient in a victorious life. If you're going to live a victorious overcoming life, there has to be a time that you plug into this concept called hope. Not a wish, but a confident understanding that God's going to do what He said He's going to do. Hope is necessary. We need hope. Look at your neighbor and say, you need hope. You you need hope. Everybody in this place, nobody is exempt. Everybody in this place needs hope. Because life is filled with disappointments and hardships, pain and struggles and unexpected events, we need hope. Because sometimes we make bad choices, oh my. And sometimes we make poor decisions. Decisions that place us in situations that are beyond our ability to fix. We need hope. During the pre-fight interview, somebody asked Mike, everybody know who Mike Tyson is, right, the boxer? Pre-fight interview, somebody asked Mike Tyson what he thought about Evander Holyfield's fight plan. He said everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Sometimes life just has a way of punching us in the mouth when we least expect it and all of our plans go out the window. And because of things like that, we, we kind of hit the canvas of life hard and we wonder if we'll ever be able to get up and try again. And is it even worth it? We need hope. Aren't you glad you know who Jesus is? Aren't you glad you know who the Lord is? Psalm 146 and 5 says, Happy or blessed or favored is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Sometimes our hope gets misplaced. Sometimes our hope gets kind of uh, kind of goes off on a, in a different direction. I hope, that's the wish one we're talking about here. I, I, I hope that your hope isn't in governments or politicians or policies. 
I, I sincerely hope that your hope is not in those things. If it is, I prophesy here today that what lies ahead in your life is a big bunch of disappointment because that's not the answer. It never has been. It never will be. I don't care what party you belong to, which direction you vote. doesn't make me any difference in the world. If your hope is in the policies and the politicians and the governments of this world, you're going to end up disappointed. You're going to end up a train wreck because our hope has to be placed in the right place. Bible. The Apostle Paul is very close to death's door. He's writing some letters from the prison cell in Rome. He knows that his race is almost completed. He knows that it's just about over. He's done what he was commissioned to do on the road to Damascus. He knows that he has carried the gospel to the Gentiles. And we begin to see a very marked change in the content of the writings of Paul at this point. He goes from, and here's these last few letters, instead of focusing on churches and corrections and doctrines, Paul begins to focus on leaders for the future. And he begins to write to people like Timothy and Titus. He knows that Timothy, his son in the gospel, will soon be faced with moving forward without him. He knows that the blow of his death will no doubt be painful in in, in its physical loss, and its natural loss. But more than that, Paul knows that when Timothy gets the news that he is gone, that it could very possibly be spiritually devastating. Timothy, I know that one day somebody's going to walk into the place where you're at and they're going to speak to you and they're going to say to you, Timothy, Paul is gone. No cell phone, no texting, no email. May have been an event that happened several days or a week ago, but they're going to walk in and say to you, Timothy, it's over. He's gone. He's been executed for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that that doesn't, uh, in, in our world, in our way of thinking, in our way of looking at things, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense when news comes like that. Somebody's been, been, been executed. Somebody's been done away with. Bad things have happened to someone who has given the majority of their life for doing something that's good. And our tendency is to say, God, how could you let this happen? God, this doesn't make sense. Lord... You've got some explaining to do. You know, the enemy delights in using discouragements in life to derail our faith. He, he, he takes joy and disappointments and discouragements in our life when they happen to crawl upon our shoulder and whisper in our ear and say, See, God don't care. It's not really real. And he'll begin to talk to you to try to derail your faith. Watch what the Bible tells us. Our weapon against that is hope. Our weapon against that is hope. Paul offers Timothy before the event a vaccine. A vaccine is the shot that you get to prevent the disease. He knows that there's a strong possibility that Timothy's faith is going to be derailed by his martyrdom. And so he begins to write to Timothy. The opening line of his first letter to Timothy, he writes, 1 Timothy 1 and 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is 
our hope, which is our hope. Hey, Timothy, you need to understand before we go any further that your hope, uh, Paul is writing, Timothy, you need to understand that your hope is not in me. Your hope is in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Saint of God, we are blessed. You, you, if we just take a moment and, and, and begin to count the blessings, just run a tally in our mind and count the blessings that God has poured out upon us. The goodness and all, all of the... We, we bless. We've been blessed by good leaders. We've been blessed by good ministry. We've been blessed by good mentors. We've had wonderful leaders and powerful preachers and men and women of God who have been mightily used of God to speak into our lives, to impart wisdom to us, to, to, to inspire us and encourage us. I've been blessed with mentors and, and leaders and spiritual fathers in my life who have helped me. I recognize the impact on my life. I am blessed to have their fingerprints on my life and ministry. Amen. But Brother Grant, I was talking to a preacher some time ago, and he, he was talking about all of the... He said there's a lot of preachers across this fellowship that are blessed to have the, the fingerprints of Tommy Craft on their life. I thought, man, that really is a blessing. That really is a blessing to, to have mentors and leaders that I can say, these people have molded me and shaped me and, 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 and invested in my life and ministry. What a, a blessing. Where are you trying to go with all of this, Brother Moody? I'm, I'm just trying to tell us that we've all been blessed in so many different ways. But the truth of the matter is, if all of those people, if, if, if they die tomorrow, or if they, God forbid, backslide tomorrow. It's not, it would disappoint me, but it's not going to discourage me because my hope is not in humanity. My hope is not in men. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad you know who Jesus is? Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Redeemer. Jesus is my Healer. Jesus is my Deliverer. Jesus is my Direction Giver. Jesus is my Waymaker. Jesus is my Heart Mender. Jesus is my ever-present help in time of trouble. Jesus is my hope. Look at your neighbor and say, I know where my hope is. Amen. My hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Turn your attention back, if you will, if you still got your Bible or, or you have it open to the 34th Psalm there. I know as we start here, you'll, you'll scratch your head maybe a little bit and say, Brother Moody, I'm not sure what all this has to do with hope, but in a few minutes, hopefully, that's the wish one again, we will be able to uh, tie it all together. Amen. The 34th Psalm. Psalm 23, and you don't have to turn there. You can just remember back. It's, of course, a very familiar passage of Scripture, probably one of the most oft-quoted passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. It is the shepherd's psalm. It is David uh, writing, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And I know you could quote all of that. But uh, when you get on down there, David, uh, he, he gives us a revelation. He is talking about the very nature and the character of God. He is talking about who God is and what God is to the sheep. He talks about being his provider and, and all of those things. And he, he, he writes, he says, He restoreth, or rather, I'm sorry, uh, wrong verse, wrong, wrong message there. 
He, he, I'm going to have to turn there just to read it to be sure where I'm at. He's writing in this portion of Scripture about all of the, uh, the, the goodness of God. And he, he, he talks about God uh, being our provider. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside the still waters. He, he talks about as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and he talks about all the goodness of God and how he, he will he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, David, as he is writing these things and and the revelation that God gives to him as as of who he is, he he continues and in as we flip over just a few psalms and in the thirty fourth psalm, we we find that David actually kind of has an opportunity to practice what he's preaching. He's uh, he, he has found himself in a very difficult situation and circumstance. He has left the frying pan and gone into the fire. He is running from Saul, and he comes to Achish, uh, the king of Gad, the Philistine king. And He gets there, and somebody recognizes David and said, Oh, isn't this, this, is, uh, this is David, the king of the Hebrews. He's not king yet, but they recognize prophetically what he's going to be. And David finds himself in a very difficult situation, a place where he desperately needs uh, some hope. A place where he needs some hope. And the Bible tells us, and the, the story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 21, David begins to feign himself mad. He begins to act uh, like a crazy man, like a madman, and they take him before the king, and, and the king says, why are you bringing this crazy man here? Turn him, turn him loose and let him go. I've, I've got enough crazy folks around me. Please don't send me anymore. Amen. Brother Grant's never felt that way, I'm sure. And uh, so just, just turn him loose and let him go. So they turn David loose. Now, David, the Bible says, the 34th Psalm, David is writing about this particular instance, and, and you know I'm sure you're familiar with, with the 34th Psalm, and, and we've sung songs about it, and we've, uh, we, we've quoted it. But it very simply begins this way, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I want us to just take a moment and go through that. Just, just pick it apart. David rises and declares, and he is remembering the time where God delivered him, where God brought him out, where he was in a difficult situation and circumstance in life. And by the help and the grace and the hand of God, his hope was not misplaced. His hope was in the Lord, and God brings him out. David declares, I will. Now, I want us to pause right there for just a moment. That is a statement of determination. That's an attitude worth catching. Nobody or no thing will stop me. I will. Can I tell you something? 99% of the battle is won right there. In life and in your spiritual walk with God, 99% of the battle is won right there. I will. A made-up mind is a victory just waiting on the battle to be over. A made-up mind turns stumbling blocks into stepping stones. 
A made-up mind turns naysayers into cheering sections. A made-up mind turns reason to quit into energy to keep going. Brother Moody, what does all of that have to do with hope? Hang in there for just a moment. I'm trying to tell somebody right here that if you will make up in your mind that no matter what happens in your world or in your life or in your family or in your home, that you will make it. 99% of the battle is already won. You can start counting on the victory right there. Make up in your mind. It doesn't matter what life or the enemy or anything else throws my way. I've got a made-up mind. I'm going to make it. When I fall down, I'm going to get back up again. When I trip and stumble, I'm going to get back up again. When I make bad choices and poor decisions, I'm going to find an altar of repentance and say, Lord, forgive me. Put me back on the road. I will. Here's a revelation for you. You can write this down if you want to. You don't really have to write it down because you already know it. Here's the revelation. That is a matter of choice. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a choice. You have a choice to choose to make it or choose to not make it. That is a choice. What will I do when? What will I do when there's pain and suffering and discouragement and difficulty? David said, I will bless the Lord. What will I do when I'm in a difficult situation and circumstance? David said, I'll bless the Lord. What will I do when it looks like things aren't going my way? I will bless the Lord. What will I do when there's hurt and sorrow and pain and people do things to hurt me and and intentionally... I will bless the Lord. I will. That's a choice. I will. I could talk about them. I could pick a fight. But I'll bless the Lord. When things don't go my way, I'll bless the Lord. When my feelings get hurt, oh my, I'll bless the Lord. When the preacher don't stop and talk to me on the way into the service, I will bless the Lord. I'm going to move on, okay? Just pull your toes back up under the seat. It's going to be all right. Amen. When life is contrary to my ease and my pleasure, I will bless the Lord. When? When are you going to bless the Lord? At all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. It's not a matter of feelings. It's not a matter of emotions. It's not a matter of circumstances. It's a matter of choice. Up or down, high or low, sick or well, rich or poor, employed or laid off, no matter the season of life, I will, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all. In fact, why don't we just take a moment and lift our hands and voice right now and bless Him. Lord, we bless You in this place. We bless the name that is above every name. We bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we lift our hands and voices in praise and worship to You. There's none like You, none beside You, none above You. We worship You and praise You in this house. Lord, we pray that You would inhabit the praises of Israel. God, we pray that You move into this place today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, what? His praise shall, there's that determination and choice again. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise shall continually be. There's two things I like about that. Number one, I'm always in a state of praise. Brother Moody, is that a 
attitude that you have perfected, not by a long shot, because I live in the same world that you do, and I go through the th same things that you do, but it is a goal to strive for. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will always be in a state of praise. You know what? The devil can't do anything with that. The enemy can't, there, there's nothing there. He, he, he has no weapon in his arsenal to battle that. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The enemy is whipped before the battle starts if his praise is continually in your mouth. That's, that's the first thing I like about that. The second thing I like about that verse is that there is no room in my mouth for anything else. If his praise is continually in my mouth, and there's no room in my mouth for anything else. There's no room in my mouth for negativity. Hmm. Proverbs 18 and 21, we know it, we can quote it. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, but actually the one before that is pretty good too. Proverbs 18 and 20 says it's not as well known, but it's actually, it's a good one. I, I encourage you to memorize that one as well. Verse 20 says, A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Spiritually speaking, from a spiritual perspective, if my mouth produces good things, then my life is filled with good things. Isn't it amazing? God knew that a long time before psychology ever figured it out. If my mouth is filled with good things, if there's no room for negative things, harmful things, murmuring, complaining, words of discouragement, words of doubt, if there's no room in my mouth for those words, not to mention all the other unprofitable, destructive things that could be in my mouth, if my mouth is filled with praise to the Lord, then there's no room for all of those things in my mouth. My mouth is filled with good things. David writes, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Think about David, all of his accomplishments. In fact, in 1 Samuel 21 there, where we talked about him going to the Philistine king, when they recognized him, somebody said, isn't this David of whom they sang? Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. David had reason to boast. I'm the one that killed the lion and the bear. I'm the one that slew Goliath and chopped off his head. I'm the one who has led armies. He had a lot of things to boast about, but the truth of the matter, David understand where the truth was and where the truth lied. And David said, I, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. I'm not boasting in myself or my abilities or my accomplishments or things that I have achieved. And, and they may be good, and I, I encourage people to achieve. Do the best that you can do. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, recognize where your help and your strength and your intellect comes from. David said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. I'm boasting in the Lord. I don't really have time to boast about me. Let me tell you about all the good things that God has done. Let me tell you about all the good things that I've seen God do. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. You know what David is essentially doing? He's just praising. He's worshiping. He's giving all the glory to God. 
Now, please, this is not Brother Moody this morning standing here and telling you what you need to do because you already do that. I understand that. This is just reminding us of why we do what we do. This is why we pray. This is why we lift our hands in voice. This is why we magnify God. This is why we come into a church service on a Sunday morning and the musicians practice and they play and they lead us in worship and we praise and we worship God because to Him, deserve, He deserves all the glory and the honor and the praise. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Here's where it really starts to get good. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Now, in archaic King James language, we don't really get the full meaning of that because there's a little bit of a language barrier. That word humble there really uh, it comes from a Hebrew word that means uh, someone that is poor and needy, someone who has a need in their life, someone who has need of something, the needy. The needy shall hear thereof and be glad. Shall hear thereof, and another word for that would be rejoice. The needy should, should hear thereof and have reason to rejoice. What are you trying to say, Brother Moody? It's real simple. It's a simple lesson today on a Sunday morning that when we come to the house of God and we begin to worship and praise and praise is our attitude and praise is our heartbeat and praise and worship to God is first on the list. There is something about the act of praise. There is something about the sacrifice of praise. There is something about God's people lifting their hands and their voice in the sanctuary and magnifying God and giving God the glory that when the needy, when somebody walks in the door with a need in their life, be it a saint or a member of this assembly or somebody that was driving down Garth Road and something taps them on the shoulder and says, you need to go there. You need to be in church there. That's where, you, that's where you're going to get your need met. When they walk in the sanctuary with a need and they begin to hear God's people with humble hearts and with their mind pointed toward heaven, lift their hands and praise and worship, there is something that sweeps into the sanctuary and you might not even feel it as the praiser, but the needy feels and understands, hey, there's something here that I've never felt before. God's here today to meet my need. I like to praise. Praise does good for me. God likes me to praise. Praise does good for Him. But it goes beyond the boundaries of that, and it begins to reach out and touch the hearts and the lives of the needy. You want to fill the house of God with people who need to touch, worship, and praise and magnify Him. Keep doing what you're doing. When it comes time to praise and sing and worship, put your whole heart, put the entirety of your being into it. Why? Because somebody with a need might depend on your praise. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit odd. I'm, I'm a little bit strange. I know that. I need therapy. I understand. Please forgive me. It, it, it's right on, it's this close, it's right on the verge of agitating me. And I'm guilty, I've said it myself. When we say, my, didn't we have good church? You can't have good church. There ain't no such thing as having church. We are the church. And what happens when we assemble together is not the act of having church. Uh, 
It is the act of coming into the presence of God. When two or three are gathered together, uh, there am I in the midst. I'm not going to be in the midst of them. There am I in the midst of them. And what happens beyond that uh, is a matter of how we react to that presence. And if we act and react in praise, uh, then the presence of God becomes the manifest presence of God. And God begins to touch. And God begins to stir. And there's a need over here that He meets. And there's somebody back here that he touches and somebody over here with a need gets a word and direction from the Lord when we come and we begin to praise and magnify the Lord oh I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make her boast in the Lord the needy shall hear thereof and they will have reason to rejoice Oh, magnify, here's the invitation. Oh, magnify, verse 3, the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Why? Because He deserves it, and somebody's going to get their need met today. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, because somebody that walked in the house with shoulders bent low and their face down, not wondering how they're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to go one more step. I don't know how it's going to happen. I, I have no hope. And then the people of God begin to worship and the presence of God settles in and all of a sudden hope takes hold. <sighs> hope sweeps in. <sighs> like, a, like a precious Holy Ghost wind, hope all of a sudden says, whispers into somebody's ear, you know what? Uh, you're going to be all right. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. God's going to work this out. I know you can't see it right now, but God's going to work this out. Stay faithful. Stay true. Find yourself a place in Him. Amen. I, I, I know we don't have time, but the rest of that psalm is so beautiful. David writes, I sought the Lord, and He heard me. This is him boasting in the Lord. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord. Now, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to boast in Him here. I sought the Lord, and He heard me. I prayed, and God heard me. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. I sought the Lord. He delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto Him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. The angel of the Lord. If you read down through here, I counted... 14 promises of God in the remainder of this passage. 14 promises. Verse 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and that delivereth him. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. I'm going to give somebody hope today. Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. If you trust in the Lord, you live a blessed life. That's a promise from God. The Lord, and I won't, I won't read all of them for the sake of time. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. That's a promise. That'll give you hope. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. That's a promise. That'll give you hope. The Lord heareth and delivereth them out of their troubles. That's a promise. That'll give you hope. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as of a contrite spirit. That's a promise. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Whoever told somebody that 
the saved life was a bed of roses, was misled. But I do have a promise that God has the ability to deliver me out of every problem and every affliction. Amen. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate righteousness shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Just a word, a whole passage full of promises that will give us hope. Amen. Stand with me if you would. And we take just a moment and thank the Lord for His Word. Thank you, Lord, for Your encouraging Word today. Thank you for this Word of God that You have given us to strengthen our spirit and encourage our soul, to admonish us to worship and to praise You, the value of that praise. God, let it settle into our hearts, sink into our minds, touch our spirit, O Lord. God, let us be encouraged today to worship and to praise You. It is the, the means and the methods through which you work to reach and touch the hearts of those that are needy. God, we pray in Jesus' name that this word would settle into our hearts. Be with us, God, in the remainder of this service today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed.